0: Many years ago, I travelled with my family to visit some friends. And every time we visit friends, I tell my children that they ought to show thanks and give thanks for uh, people hosting us. And my children were just tiny and we had practised and rehearsed many times what you ought to say, either when people come to the house or when we go and visit people. Thank you for coming if people visit us. Or uh, we would say, thank you for having us at the end when we're about to leave. And so we were with my friends and I said to the children as we were living, what do you say? And the children looked at me and and, and one of the children shouted and said, thank you for coming. (laughs) He got it rather wrong. He was meant to say, thank you for having us, children. You know, it's good to show thanks for, in appreciation for things that we receive. It's it's a right thing to do. Giving thanks is the right response when we receive something good from others. And when we receive much good from God, it is right to give thanks to the Lord. What are the things that we normally give thanks to God for? In fact, do, do we make a conscious effort to give thanks to God? Or is it just simply an afterthought? Sometimes we pray to God and then God answers. And we're so excited about the answer that we, we forget to stop by and give thanks to God. We, we usually do do that. But it is right for us to give thanks to the Lord. If you could think of the greatest thing for which we ought to give thanks to God for, what would that be? Well, from Psalm 136, I would like us to consider that that very thing. That above all the reasons we are to give thanks to God, there is one supreme reality for our thanksgiving and wonder for the Lord God who made us. So the first thing I would like us to consider from Psalm 136 is the greatness of God. And then... We will consider, after the greatness of God in creation and providence, we will consider the supreme reality for which we ought to give thanks to God for. And then I'd like to invite you all to join me and the psalmist to praise him and to give thanks to the Lord our God, who is good and who is merciful and who is indeed gracious. So, let us first of all begin with the greatness of God. Psalm 136 is grouped uh, among other psalms from Psalm 120 to Psalm 126. It's usually known as the Great Hallel. It is a group of psalms that give praise to God, including the Songs of Ascent, and then Psalm 135 and 136 as the great Hallel. And this group of psalms would have been sung as people would have approached Jerusalem to praise the name of the Lord, to give thanks to the Lord. And as the psalm is this group of psalms here in Psalm 136, he calls worshipers to give thanks to the Lord. And we read there in verse 2 that this Lord God is the God of gods. It says there, verse 2. And then in verse 3, we read there in the passage that he is the Lord of lords. And then if we look there in verse 1, we see that God is called Lord God. But then in verse 3, Lord appears different. Look at it there. Verse 1 and verse 3, we see a difference. Lord, in verse 1, looks different to Lord in verse 3. Why is that? Lord, in capital letters, L-O-R-D, the English translators would have been uh, rendering or, 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 or translating the personal name of God as he described himself in Exodus 3. The great I am, Yahweh. And you see, when a Jewish person would read through the Hebrew scriptures, they, they would come across the personal name of God and in fear of taking God's name in vain instead of saying Yahweh or what which we would uh, in an English version of Yahweh would be Jehovah. They would read Adonai, which means the Lord. And so English translators, at least on the ESV, decided to keep Lord, but to distinguish it with all capital letters, the personal name of God, the Lord God. Is the God of gods, and He is the Lord of lords, and He is the personal God who has revealed Himself in the scriptures, in the Word of God. There is none like this great God. He is above all. When it says the God of gods, it refers to the pagan idols. All gods. He is the Lord God. He's above all. He's supreme. And then from verses 4 to verse 9, you will see a theme. And that theme is that He is the great God over all creation. He is the one who made the heavens and the earth. Look at it there. Verse 4. To him who alone has done great wonders. To him who by understanding made the heavens to him who spread out the earth above the waters to him who made the great lights the sun to rule over the day the moon and stars to rule over the light this great god is the god over all creation and this is the lord god whom we worship but not only is this god the god of creation but he is also the god of providence Providence. That's a bit of a mouthful. What is providence? Well, from verses 7 onwards, we see God's providence reflected there. God's providence is God's holy, wise and powerful preserving of every creature and every action. In other words, it is God's intervention throughout history. It is God working through the events of history, causing what he wants it to happen. Providence. God is powerful not only in making the heavens and the earth, but God is powerful in every event and creature as they are preserved through history. That is called providence. And we see it there in verse 7. God's providence over the people of Israel by preserving them through the people of Egypt. Read it there, verse ten. To uh, sorry, verse uh, ten. Sorry, verse ten. To him who struck down the firstborn in Egypt and brought Israel out from among them with a strong hand and an outstretched arm, verse thirteen. To him who divided the Red Sea in two and made Israel pass through the midst of it. But overthrew Pharaoh and his hosts in the Red Sea to him who led his people through the wilderness. The Lord God, the God of gods, the Lord of lords, he is the Lord God of providence. This is the great God of the Bible. And he not only finished there when the Lord brought the people out of Egypt, but it carried on through the... Desert through the promised land, through Canaan. And we read there in verse 17, to him who struck down the great kings, verse 18, and killed mighty kings. Sihon, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan, and gave their land as a heritage, a heritage to Israel, your servant, the Lord God. The God of the Bible is the God of all creation. And he is the God of providence. He's a great God indeed. There is none, none like this God. But not only is God the God of the past, all things that has ha- have happened, but he is also the God of the present. Look at there in verse 23. From 23 to 25, we see that he's the God of the present. It is He who remembered us. In our lowest state, the psalmist is recognizing that they too are a part of God's plan. Verse 24 and rescued us from our foes. Us. Verse 25. He who gives food to all flesh. The God of the Bible is a great God indeed. And the psalmist is recognising that. He is the God of creation. The Lord God of providence. And he holds all things together. And he even provides food on the tables of believers and unbelievers also. He's a great God. Now someone might say, Well, I don't really believe in God. That that's nothing to do with me. Yesterday we were here on the high street sharing the gospel, and it was good to see several of you here speaking with people. Uh, in, 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 in the community telling them about the Lord God and there were several who said oh I, d- I don't believe in God long ago a man wrote the following words imagine there is no heaven it's easy if you try no hell below us above us only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. Do you know who that was? John Lennon. John Well, the Bible the Bible tells us that God indeed is creator, whether one believes it or not, God is the Lord God. There's a commentator who said it is not difficult to know why John Lennon's song Imagine was the uh, greatest solo uh, album of his entire solo career. Or the greatest song in his entire solo career. You see, he invites people to leave as if there is no accountability. And so people love that. And they would sing it and they would go on in life as if there is no God, nothing above us, nothing below us. But you know what, my dear friend, John Lennon's Imagine is indeed a creation of someone's imagination. But the Bible is the word of God. And the Bible tells us that the Lord God who made the heavens and the earth, it is the Lord God who will indeed call everyone to account. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus Christ, the very man who came on earth and died and rose again from the dead, will be the very man who will judge all peoples. Acts chapter 17. Everyone will give an account to King Jesus. The word of God stands. The word of God Stands it Just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after this comes judgment. Now, if you are here visiting, or if, you, if, you, if you're not a believer, if you're not a Christian, let me, let me urge you, listen to your conscience. You know that is uh, the wrong things you ought not to do, you, you have done. You know that you have sinned against God, the Creator. May I urge you to turn away from your sin. Towards Jesus Christ the Lord now, for he died indeed for sinners to bring eternal life. And those who indeed believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ have life eternal, not because I made it up, not because I said it, but his word promises it. You see, my dear friends, the Lord God of the Bible is the great God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, and the Lord God of providence now all of these are great reasons why we ought to praise God but notice the psalmist is telling us that there is even a greater supreme reality for which we ought to give thanks to God for what is that the supreme reality that he calls us to give thanks and praise to God for If I were to ask you to come up with a word that describes a deep affection, what would that be? Think of a word that describes deep affection. Love. Love, the deep affection. Now, think of a word that describes love and loyalty at the same time. What would that be? Huh? Faithfulness. Faithfulness. Now think of a word that describes love, loyalty, faithfulness, mercy and kindness at the same time. Now that would be a bit difficult. And in fact the translators of Psalm 136 stumbled with this predicament. Because you see, there is a word that is repeated in every single of the, of the verses of this psalm. It is a Hebrew word that is heseth. And, and heseth is a, is a word that refers to love, loyalty, faithfulness, kindness, and mercy at the same time. And the translators of the ESV had to use two words in the English to try to convey that reality. Two words for the one word. And that is steadfast love. Steadfast love. But that one word conveys all the other elements I've mentioned, all the other words in one. Some translations uh, render it as uh, faithfulness or or, or kind love or um, mercy. But it, it, it combines all these realities together. This loyal love is based on a firm resolve and a commitment that implies a relationship. His steadfast love, his hesed towards his people implies this relationship. What, what is amazing is that this love is the love that describes God's loyal love towards us, sinners. God's the creator's steadfast love towards people. You see, this word conveys a, a self-sacrifice, it's a self-sacrificing love, a, 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 a love that is not based on the other party's faithfulness. Think of Israel. But it's based on God's resolve to love because he loves towards a particular people whom he has loved. Every day we read through the scriptures at home and we uh, stumble across Ezekiel 16. And with the children, it's a very long reading. In fact, it's the longest in the book of Ezekiel. And and as we start reading, it's 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 saying to Israel, Israel, I I, I loved you. I I chose you. And I saw you as you were an infant. And I, I took you. I gave you life. And I made you my wife. And then he carries on saying, "But you, but you, you, you left me for another nation." He tells the, 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 the people, you, you prostituted yourself with other people. In fact, worse than that, instead of receiving money as a result of your lewdness, you, you gave money for your sin. And the Lord is saying, you prostituted yourselves with other nations, with the Assyrians and the Babylonians. And you you were unfaithful. And the Lord is decrying the people. And, And God is saying, the justice will come. And God is saying, but I will restore you. At the end of chapter 16. But I will restore you. And then there's one word there in Ezekiel 16, right at the end. Atonement. And that points us to the cross of Jesus Christ. Because it is on the cross of Jesus that justice was served by punishing sin. And yet God's chesed was manifested to his people. God keeps his part of the promise by showing his steadfast love which he promised. It is a covenant he made with his people. by this self-sacrificial love on the cross of Christ. In fact, the cross of Jesus Christ is the the embodiment of this loyal love for us as believers. Praise the Lord. Praise God. What a wonderful Saviour. And it is here in Psalm 136 that we are reminded that the Lord God who is great, the Lord of creation and providence, the one who holds all things together, it is the Lord who loves his people. In fact, the greatness of God is directly linked with his steadfast love for his people. God made the world and that reality is linked with the fact that he has love for his people. How wonderful. But he doesn't finish there. Notice it says in every single verse, His steadfast love endures forever. You see, God the creator who made all things He's also the God who, who made time. God is out of time. He is eternal. And He made all things, including time. And he's the Lord who is out of time, and His love is eternal. for He's an eternal God. What a wonderful thing is the eternal love whose steadfast love endures forever. Nothing will separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. Neither persecution, neither hunger, neither nakedness, neither uh, difficulties, troubles, storms, sin. Nothing will separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ because He has set His loyal love and steadfast love towards His people. Praise the Lord. And, and then when you read these passages and you see the entire of scripture, you see how God, before the world was even made, he said his love towards us. What a wonderful Lord. So, so far we've seen God's greatness in Psalm 136, creation and providence, and the greatest supreme reality. For which the psalmist is giving thanks to God for. Now it is our time to join the psalmist in praising the Lord. So as we trace through history, as we look back to our family, believing family, right in the Old Testament, let us join the psalmist in worshipping the Lord he is the Lord God, creator of the heavens and the earth. The one who flung the stars up in the sky. The one who by his word all things were made. He is the Lord God whose steadfast love endures forever. And so worship the Lord God who is the Lord of all providence, holding all things together because his steadfast love endures forever. When our family Believing family were in Egypt, God brought them out. When they were in the desert, God was faithful to the people. As they were taken by other nations, God brought them out of the other nations. Why? For his steadfast love endures forever. Because his love was set upon us, his people. Praise him. Praise Him. When Jesus Christ, the very Word of God, became flesh and dwelled among us and lived a perfect life and died a cruel death and rose again from the dead, He did so for His steadfast love endures forever on His people, on you and on me as God's people. Praise Him. Praise Him. So as we wrap up, I'd like you to to do something when you get home as a response to uh, our our message or this message this morning. When you get home this afternoon, I want you to maybe around the table as you sit with your family to maybe have a meal, uh, lunchtime. I want you to, to look at your family members and I want you to hold their hands. And put your hands up and say together, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. And if you haven't got a family to hold hands with and it's just a couple, husband and wife or sister and sister or uh, some other family members and it's just two of you, when you get home to the table... Do that very thing. Just hold hands among you two. Lift them up. Just before you have a meal. Do it. Put your hands up. And say, give thanks to the Lord. His love is eternal. His steadfast love endures forever. And if you live on your own. And there's no one else. Just before you have your meal and give thanks to the Lord. Put your hands up. Even if he's on your own. Because your brothers and sisters around Bexley Heath. Will have their hands up at lunchtime. And we'll be saying. With you. Give thanks to the Lord. His steadfast love. Endures forever. And if you've got an injured arm. And you can't leave your. Um, left hand. Put your right hand up. Before you have your meal, and say, Give thanks to the Lord for His steadfast love endures in forever. Indeed, His steadfast love endures forever. Amen.